Welcome to the Seabag Podcast, episode 24. And this show is dedicated to Miss Linda Cole. Today we're going to discuss Brian's transition from active duty with the help and structure of a service dog training program. Brian, welcome to the show, bud. Hey, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for taking the time out to kind of go over this with me. And uh, this show is dedicated to Linda and some background on Linda. She is a um, dog trainer. She runs a, a dog kennel, and she donated her time as the the lead trainer for an organization called Dog Tags. And I, Linda, was a very key part in helping me transition um, in from active duty. And she was also um, the key component in helping me train my own dog to be a service dog. Okay. Um, I think the best way to start this off was to give the audience and, and got some pretty awesome listeners. Um, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this episode? Why are we doing this show? And l- let's just start with that. Well, the all of these org there's a lot of organizations out there that provide support to veterans as they transition, and there's 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 so many volunteers that that give their time and their their effort, and you know in some cases their money, but these these people are there to support us, and Linda was one of those those people that um, that gave her time and her facility and her ability to to us as a group of veterans to help us train our animals and and begin to heal and and go through this transition process and linda we we wanted to we've talked about it before and and wanted to have her on the show at some point to interview her but um due to health complications it's it's not looking like that's going to be possible so we figured the best way to honor her was to do a show dedicated to her work and the impact that she's had on me. Um, what is the impact that she's had on on your story? Because of course, everyone's got a different story, and 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 no story is the same, no matter who you are, and everyone handles stress and and change differently. Um, and we've talked about it in the past about how you know the the three hundred pound you. You know, and the, <laughs> and the the two hundred plus pound me, kind of the chunkers. Um, but th- those have those those days are are here and gone, and and we've turned one eighty from that uh, that stress and that whatever you want to call it that post military um, lifestyle, and we've we've gone to one hundred and eighty, and now here we are trying to help people. Uh, what's the impact that she had? on you from where you turned your life around. Yeah, she has, she has this, obviously this love of dogs and, and, you know, I, 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 it sounds really cliche to say that you love dogs. Cause I mean, pretty much everybody does, but you know, when you're on deployment, the, there's a special impact that a dog has on you while you're on that deployment, you know, whether it's a <coughs> IDD dog or they have their different, you know, attack dogs or whatever. Sure. But you see them, and it brings even even the local dogs that are running around there. They they have this Im- impact on you. Well, when I got back from deployment, my uh, I got a dog as a Christmas present, 
And this was this was <laughs> this was literally uh, only like three or four months after Afghanistan, and I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm not in good shape at that point. I'm pretty angry and and, uh, and really self destructive behaviors, and now I have this boxer lab puppy <laughs> that chews fireflies and and uh, you know just just this thing that I now have to take care of. But when I met Linda, you know, it's just me and Callie and we're, we're, there's, there's some training that has been done. You know, she's basically a, a pretty well broken house dog. Right. But when, 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 when I met Linda, there's a, there's a structure that she kind of goes through in, in her training ability to where she can take that and, 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 and give it a purpose. Instead of just like the hey sit stay heal, right. you're actually working together to to perform these different tasks that are needed in order to pass a public access task. She's creating a bond. Yeah, essentially. So the more that you work together with your dog when you when you're learning these three different tasks, um, and those can be individually specific to the veteran there was there was um a couple veterans in there that had mobility issues that um could you know they they if if something were to fall and that dog could retrieve it they the dog could turn off lights and you know push actually be used as a support system to stand and so linda would go through and and kind of figure out what everybody needed to 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 best support them and when it came to when it came to me, you know, I, I don't have the mobility issues that other people have. You know, I suffered from um, some post traumatic stress. But what she helped, what really helped throughout the whole process, was just somebody working with me, bonding with me, creating this this stronger bond between me and my dog. And it was and it was the process of doing that and working together. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, most episodes we 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 ask people where they got started and where they come from and where this that and the other and, and of course this started in in Pennsylvania and but how did you actually get started with dog training? Did you did you decide one day that after you got this dog that this dog was going to be the one that you were going to take to this training or because most people probably have no clue how that how that happens uh or how to get a dog a service dog to cope with those transitional issues of uh, post-traumatic stress or maybe like you said mobility issues i guess what where did you get started and how was what was the thought process going into saying okay this is probably something i need or this is something that i should have yeah i was i was taken to a um event down in a in a city that was pretty close by to where I was living at the time. And they had a, a tent set up that was a, a service dog organization called Dog Tags. And it was being promoted by um, one of the main people from the the TV show Dogs of War, where they did, um, it was kind of like a reality show that was based on veterans and their service dogs mm-hmm. and how those service dogs helped them. Well, I mean, it kind of felt like an ambush because I had the one of the the owners of the 
the dog training program. I had this guy who's a who's a reality TV star, and and kind of like almost forming the semicircle around me, telling me the benefits of this. And I kind of had like a I wouldn't say an attitude about it, but it was kind of like this negative tough guy attitude that wasn't probably very helpful. Yeah, like you didn't need you didn't need a handout. You didn't need to be part yeah, of that. I, yeah. I, yeah. And I think that I I really didn't have anywhere else to go because the the therapy that I was receiving, I, I I wouldn't say that I was resistant to it, but it just didn't seem, it seemed kind of empty and it it matched kind of the emptiness that I felt. So, you know, it's there. It it was at the time the training facility was down in uh, two hours from my house. And so every Friday I would get up and drive two hours down to this training facility. And it was remote with, with, with my dog and we would go down there and train. Well, well, let's back up for a situation. second because that, that that I think that's an important thing to to back up to is mm-hmm. like you said the emptiness that you have at that time is an emptiness that you'll never and of course everyone's experience is different but that emptiness seems at the time that it could never be filled that, that oh absolutely that, it, it's it's like a you're in a hole and you're 20 foot down and you're looking up and that, and that's the, that's the way out. And there's no way out. That's the emptiness that you're talking about. And it's a very natural thing for a, a man or woman that's been through, uh, maybe some of the stresses that combat presents to be in that hole and to be very resistant. So that's very normal. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it, it was. And I mean, there was, there was a lot of stuff going on there that, that that you know from substance abuse to just anger and and like you said there that hole was just lined by all of these really negative emotions and actions that I was doing and when I started the dog training process it, it, it was a it was a long drive down to where I had to go to it so there was a lot of effort on my part right um this wasn't something that was easy this was a you know, at least a, a good part of five hours on a Friday just to go down there and do this. But it gave me a, a goal of something. It started this this process over again, becoming, you know, having a training goal of saying, okay, I have this dog. She's acceptable for training. And now we're going to start working towards this this first goal of just, hey, is she trainable? And then these are the the... Um, requirements that she needs to move on to a next the next testing process the next phase of training so it's kind of like you could break it down into phases so first phase would be what was called the canine good citizen test and she had to perform a certain set of tasks Mm -hmm. and then after that it was the uh, the urban canine good citizen test where she would have like an interim training vest and you could take her out into public spaces to train her and once she passed those tests then she would move on to a certain other one. So it's a lot like the training you receive in the military where you have this crawl, walk, run. Yeah. And it gave me, like what we talked about in the new guy episode, is I'm the new guy. There are people that have been in the program for a lot longer than me that are more senior, and they're kind of not necessarily a pecking order, but they're like, hey, you need to do this, and they're giving you tips. 
and it's kind of given you a little bit of a community. So it was a it was a cool initial start that was familiar to me because it's it's a lot like the military. Well, how did how did you take to that starting from zero? Like being being the new guy again in in the training scene because of course no no one probably knows this but after your service in Afghanistan you did some you did some training stuff um, afterwards and so you have some some pretty in depth um, experience being on both ends of training and being the trained so starting back over what was that like and how'd you how'd you fall into that. It was it was definitely different. It wasn't something being trainable is a is something that I thought that I was pretty good at in the military and I and it went and it went well for me. I was successful, but when I got back out, you're not only was I fighting off kind of being in that pit, that that that, that despair and so but I also was trying to learn this new concept and and trying to get myself back together. And where this whole process was was so helpful was that you were able to see the results from the work that you were putting in immediately right and the amount of effort that you put in you know kind of as with anything else but it's very evident with a dog whether it works or it doesn't yeah and and so that's where that process really helped me well you can fake it till you make it in a lot of places you know, mm-hmm. and you, you can, even with uh, stuff that we talk about a lot, like, you know, whatever it is, you know, working out or training or something like that, you, you can fake that. You can, you can look a little bit more the part, but when you have an animal that you cannot actually communicate with verbally <laughs> through English, <Yeah>. you know, <laughs> you can probably tell very quickly, like you said, um, how much effort the trainer is putting into the dog itself. Yeah. Yeah. And, and kind of the, the, the weird part is, is that when I, I actually had done the training for about, um, probably close to a year. And then when this year mark rolled up, I went through a divorce and that kind of halted the training for a good six months. And in that six month time period, um, I definitely I wouldn't, I would definitely call it a backslide. Like, I I don't know how much prog- progress that I made out of that pit, but whatever progress I made, I lost. Right. Um, yeah. That, that whole that two frame. steps forward, one step back or, or <laughs> however it goes, one step forward, two steps yeah. back. Yeah. yeah. 10 steps back. So, <laughs> so, you know, once, once that happened, um, they, uh, in this six month time frame, they moved a training facility up that was very close to where I lived. And so the, the two hour drives on Friday were, 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 they turned into a 30 minute drive on Thursday, which made it a lot more convenient to me. And that's, that is actually where I met Linda was at, um, was at the training facility because the facility was her place of business. She owns a, uh, a kennel called Cole's canine and, 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 she provided the space and then her training expertise to us. She volunteered those services to us and, and actually, you know, gave us her knowledge mm-hmm. 
in training dogs there. And that's where I picked up the, the next kind of phase of the training because me and Callie had passed the, the, the canine good citizenship test down in, in, uh, at that, at that location that was two hours away down in Mechanicsburg. Okay. And, And what's, what's Linda's background briefly, just like a, you know, past the past 10 to 20 years is, is her whole life dedicated to this um or yeah she spent over 20 years training different types of dogs um she's a professional dog trainer trains police dogs trains she runs a kennel um they have their full service kennel um it's a small business local small mm-hmm. business and um you know she she's owned it and ran it for for a long time so you're talking someone and, with extreme experience um, in, yeah. in, in, in yep. the know of everything. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so why the dog training, first of all, uh, compared to any other training, um, a lot of guys will go from, you know, cause I, I know everyone post-military considers other things. He's like, okay, well, mm-hmm. what about law enforcement, you know, to get that itch back or to fill that gap or, or what about, uh, some sort of, training through uh psychiatrists and this that and the other why why did you pick dogs over over whatever whatever else was in your brain granted you did have a dog so that was probably what came first in your head i'm assuming since i have a dog i might as well try to train one and use this yeah so when i kind of looked at it as a as as just another you know form of of therapy in a way, you know, I, you would, you would see these mental health professionals and you would be given, you know, Hey, this is what you need to work on coping skills, blah, 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 blah. But there was, um, with dog training, it's kind of like a a practical application of some of those skills, like, you know, patience and empathy and, and, and having something to care for and something that cares for you. And this, 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 this all is kind of wrapped into one, but it's 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 hands on and it's physical, and you you develop this connection with the animal, and then also with the people that you're around because you're working together for a common goal. Mm-hmm. And so there's there's a, it's not just a one on one thing. It's 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 kind of a community, and and we talk about that too of of, of finding a, a community that you fit with, and the guys that that I was surrounded with, um, you know some of the struggles that they were going through were very similar to mine and you can bond and learn from each other while going through this process of, of working towards this goal. And it was kind of like a class, you know, when you have, you know, when you go through the military, you're in, you're in boot camp, and I wouldn't necessarily put Linda as like drill instructor status, but in a way she would come in and, and have to crack the whip on us to get us organized and, and moving in the right direction and maintain a focus on training other than just standing around and bullshitting. Right. Um, and it was, a, it was, it was pretty interesting to see her come in and, and boss around a bunch of big, tough military guys, <laughs> <laughs> you know, keep us in line and, and move us forward. I don't, I, I don't know if, you know, one thing is better than the other. I, I, I definitely would not, I would say that it, whatever works for you, but the dog training 
you know, when it's, there's a, there's a, uh, there's a component of actually getting down and, and training with the dog versus, um, uh, receiving a dog or that's pre already yeah. trained, pre-trained or, or however you would label that. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't, I definitely wouldn't say one is better than the other, but the experience has to be a little bit different. Um, and, and, you know, it, it all is situation dependent whether or not you have time to, you know, enough time to put in to train the dog because it's a very extensive process. It took me two years to get to the point where Callie would be able to pass that public access test where if you have professionals like Linda doing the work themselves and then giving out the dog, the you could shorten that time frame down depending on the temperament of the dog. But I think that this process is 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 unique and it was very helpful to me because it kept me on the schedule. This, this training regimens, you know, it's, right. a, it's a consistent thing that has to be done consistently. Otherwise you're not going to pass. Yeah. Um, um, we'll go through the, go through the rest of the school then with, uh, w- when you integrated to Linda's organization, uh, and the process to get certified to have a, an yeah. actual dog. Yeah. So after we classed up in, in, in her building, um, it took a little while because we were, we were fairly new and we had people, we had guys that were coming in and I wasn't the new guy anymore. I was actually was farther ahead in the process than the rest of my peers. But so we, we kind of paused where I was at and then refocused on building the basics with my dog, Callie and got everybody up at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so the dogs, um, they really, kind of, it's, it's like that dog is growing with you. Yeah, and so yeah. we would, you would, you know, you would take the dog out in public, you would put it through um, your tasks, your commands, your, you, you know, your handling it. And you're seeing how that dog is going to react, and that dog is reacting off of you as well. So you can also see your faults through the dog right. and the stuff that that you need to work right. on. And that that helped out quite a bit. And we went through. Um, I actually took the the urban canine uh, good citizenship uh, under Linda, and you know that one, your your dog actually has to perform. Um, you know, it's it's a simple like a, you put your dog into a down and a stay in a, a public space with people walking around, and that dog actually has to sit there for I think it's like five minutes and not move, can't get up. You you can't even do that. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> and 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 I believe at some point there was a you would have a stranger actually come over and pet the dog, and the dog can't get up. Mm. Um, there was a, you have to take it around the store and, and obviously the dog can't be, you know, sniffing the meat aisle or, Hey, what's that over there? That dog has to be constantly focused on you. Um, uh, we went to, uh, we went to a, a, the Chinese buffet at, at this local grocery store and Callie, you know, she's really food driven <laughs> and she would, just sit under the table and you could totally tell 
um, her just kind of staring at you, be like, God, I just want a piece of that. Yeah. Chip. Come on, drop something. <laughs> what's, what's the status and, on that Kung Pao, bud? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And she would sit there and, and she'd have uh, the other thing, too, is, is once the dogs recognize it's really cool because you can see whether or not the dog is working or not by its demeanor when you put on a vest. Like they'll have like a, a uniform. I look at the dog vest as like a uniform. And once mm-hmm. once you put that, that vest on her, she knows that she's working. And I haven't worked her in a while because she's gotten old, but I did throw the vest on her the other day. And you can watch her demeanor completely shift from just being a regular dog. Be like, okay, what what am I doing? Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. And so their, their demeanor completely shifts. It is. It's really cool. But it also kind of gives me an example to follow, too. With the, It's like, okay, we're focused on this now. We're, we're doing this. Yeah. And it gives you, um, it kind of, it also changes, you know, my demeanor a little bit when you, when you get into that mode. So, but after, after the, the, the canine or the urban canine good citizenship uh, that we passed, we started working towards the, the public access test, which gives you, um, access to anywhere that's accessed by the public. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you actually fall under the ADA, you know, compliance rules. And anyhow, so these this this test combines all of the previous knowledge, but now you actually have to hone hone down a skill for this. This dog has to master for for the for testing purposes. Mm-hmm. And so, one of the, one of the skills that Callie could do was like flick on a light. Um, some of the dogs were trained to, you know, uh, there was actually a, a woman who had a dog that would, could smell or sense her insulin levels. She was diabetic. That's insane. It would actually, yeah, it would actually alert her to when her, I, be, I, I believe it was when her sugars are low. Um, they had, uh, a dog that was trained, you know, to, if you were having problems sleeping at night and say that. You know, you have guys with with post traumatic stress that are getting up with night terrors. That dog would actually jump on the bed and ground you. Mm. Um, it's a it's actually you know something that 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 does help to keep like kind of bring you back to the present and just kind of ground you to where you're right. at if you're going through a tough time. Um, they have dogs that were trained to you know retrieve keys, turn on lights. Um, push elevator buttons. Yeah. I, I did teach Callie to, to hit buttons for me. If you got your hands full, you know, it's kind of funny because if you're packing around a leash, if you, if you got a dog in one hand and you've got a bag of groceries in the other, or you're out in public and your hands are full, yeah. when you could just look at your dog and be like, touch, and that dog knows exactly what to do and jump up and hit an open button right, or right. push push something open, um, she could do that. And then... The other thing is too is you could once you learn the process of of how to teach your dog, you can teach your dog to do just about anything. And so she was to the point where I could tie a rope around the fridge and she would yank it open and fetch whatever was in a koozie. What what are you talking about? <laughs> what were you fetching? <laughs> so so the way the way that I did that was I played, you know, I just I had a, a leather koozie cuz she wouldn't yeah. put anything plastic or neoprene in her mouth but i had a koozie made out of leather that was custom built by one of my buddy's brothers and i i wiped some 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 bacon oil on it so she'd want to have it in her mouth to get me and her going (laughs) yeah anyhow she she would um 
I'd put it in the fridge. We'd, I'd, I'd get her to put it in her mouth, and she already knew how to pull stuff, so I would tell her to pull, and then I'd give her the command for, I would tell her to bring it back, and she knew that that's when she would bring that koozie back to me, and whatever was in it was right, in it. And right. so, yeah, one of the one of the goofy stories with her was she, it was, she knew that as soon as that she, whenever she did that, she'd get a treat. And so it was like five or six in the morning when I'm getting ready to go to work and I hear the fridge open and then she comes running over and I had put a beer in a koozie and she brings the beer and plops it in my lap at like five thirty in the morning. And I'm like, dude, it's not the right time. <laughs> I want a treat, work. man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so, funny. but it's, it's, it's through, it's through Linda's patience and training that, that I got to have those moments with my dog. Right. Um, and it, 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 even something as small as, as, you know, Callie knowing how to pull, I got to, you know, one of the stories that I like to tell about, you know, I, I would take Callie and put her in her vest and I would hook it up to a tow rope. And then when it snowed, my daughter would sit in a sled and my dog would pull. I could just tell her to pull and she'd pull like a sled dog. And my kid, you know, just bounced around the back of the sled. But there's, there's no way that I would have been able to have the knowledge to do that without Linda. Right. Right. Um, so that, that to me means more than any, any, any of the training is having those, those moments with that dog. And that's a, that's a, that, that is a gift from her. Yeah. You know, I think that's um <clears throat> I think that's that's crazy that you say that because a lot of a lot of guys that get into the training scene post military mm-hmm. and and anyone that's ever like shot competitively or even just shot guns or bows or or anything with a projectile um over time you shooting gets it wouldn't say it gets old but it's like you want to share that knowledge, you know. You want to you want to mm-hmm. pass it on to someone else. Um, and whether you're teaching your brother how to shoot a bow, or your, you know, a friend how to shoot a gun, or whatever it is, and when they when they really start getting it, and they start yeah. really applying the fundamentals naturally without having to be told, um, mm-hmm. and then you can see them advance uh, drastically into a into yeah. a very high level um and you know the, those first few months are if they don't apply the basic fundamentals they're they're very integral to to efficiency later on down the road mm-hmm. and i think i've heard a, a lot of training guys talk about that like it's not about us doing it anymore it's it's about the passion of seeing someone else do it and train being yeah. being able to explain to someone else how to do it and and mm-hmm. and being trainable, like you said earlier, is a big part of it. Um, but actually, seeing someone pick it up and say, "Okay," and now they get it, and they start applying those fundamentals and and see where they go with it. And, and I think that's a lot of passion with anyone showing someone else a skill or a trade, uh, and getting that uh, getting that satisfaction of, of spreading on the you know the knowledge so, like like a kid you know, or friend or whatever it was. Um, so. Yeah. It was really cool to see her. Um, she was, she was just as fired up as, as any of us, you know, were when we passed. Yeah. yeah. And it, it, she, <laughs> I, 
I, I, I, I could see the pride in her eyes because I could, I, I could relate to that in some of the knowledge that I'd passed on to other people. And that, and that confidence and that pride is, is, is contagious. And that's one of the signs of, of the type of leader that she is. Um, yeah. and just, it's amazing, man. Yeah. Well, and, and, and you kind of hit it right on the head. Like when you, when she sees your progress and gets just as excited, you know, that, mm-hmm. that's just, doesn't matter what you're doing, but when your coach or mentor or whatever sees your progress and, and kind of rejoices with you or, or celebrates with you or whatever, it's like, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a special time, um, between the two of you, that, that bond, like you said, that training bond that you're getting, um, with your, you know, with your dog and with your, with your coach. Yeah. And then, so, uh, after, after we hammered down, um, those, those, those three unique tasks, um, we went to, there was a whole group of us and, and all of those tasks had to be performed in public. Um, and we went to, I believe it was Cabela's. Yeah. Or no Bass Pro Shops. We went to Bass Pro Shops right before Christmas on, on December 8th. And, you know, it's kind of a, a big deal because those tests don't come around. You have to actually have an outside evaluator. Um, it's relatively expensive. It's time consuming and it's not like you can just have a, a redo, you know, next, (laughs) next Thursday. So it's like, it's like now is a really good time to pass and, and not, not suck. So we went down, we went down to Bass Pro and, and I, I remember one of the things that she said was that the, you know, your nerves are going to transfer down the leash and you have to be, you know, calm, you know, breathe, work on your, work on your, your, your coping skills, so to say. And, and to go in there and then have, you know, when things just go right, that's, that's exactly what happened because we'd been, no, I don't know what that's like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it, it was one of those things, you know, you take a test and you know, all the answers that's, that's, that's exactly how it felt. And you don't, I would have never thought that I could do something like that or have that feeling. I was one of the first times I'd had that feeling since I was in the military and, right. and studying for a test so hard and having all that knowledge crammed in your head and be like, okay, I'm ready. Like, yeah. there's really, yeah. there's really nothing I could, that, that, that I could do to fuck this up. So we sit down and, and we, and we, 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 we talk about it and then we go in and go in and, and, and pass that test. Well, afterwards it was kind of like all right what's you know what's what's the next step and and now you're 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 you've 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 got this tool that is trained and ready how what are you going to do with the skills that you've learned to you know move along with your life and that was when i made that decision to go back to school well can can i can i back up just for a, a, a split second is there a is there a level where you can train a dog too much? And this is going this I don't mean to interrupt what you're saying, but can you have a dog suited up in its service jacket or, or mm-hmm. whatever you, whatever you call it? Sorry, um, 
too long. It's, it's kind of like being in uniform for too long. Like, does it does it affect the way a dog acts if it's always working? Yeah. Okay. And yeah, you definitely can't just just like a just like any working dog. There's definitely some form of burnout, and I've right. definitely seen seen Callie. Um, be playing that role for too long and just saying, okay, I'm, I, I, I don't care anymore. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, that was, that know, was I, my question. Cause I, I, I'm trying to reference it to, you know, what we, what we know in working mm-hmm. too long. Um, yeah, you can't, you can't hammer a task for too long. So if you're working on a specific task with a dog, you know, you, 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 you push it until it, 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 it starts to get it and then you back off and then you play and then you kind of make it fun. Otherwise it's, it's just work. And yeah. so you have to, you have to incorporate play into the, um, into, into the structure of the training. Okay. Okay. Sorry. That, that, I've been trying to ask you that for, it hasn't been in the back of my brain for the past 10 minutes. Um, yeah. Cause I was like, well, that, that sounds awesome. Like you just work your dog all day long and, and and it's like you've just got your best friend sitting right next to you, like helping out, you know. And um, yeah, but well, I mean, in the middle of school, I would take the dog, and and literally in between classes, we'd go. I'd take the vest off of her, and we'd go play fetch for fifteen, twenty minutes, blow off steam, and then head back into school. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I took Callie with me for the first little bit of of college, just because I I was super uncomfortable with with the thought of going there and I needed that kind of a support system that she provided Mm -hmm. and that, you know, all of that work that I did kind of helped give me the confidence to move forward. And once, once I got into the swing of things at college and, and understand, you know, what was going on, Hey, this is how this works. And it, and it really took the uncertainty off. I, you know, I didn't need to bring Callie with me you know, every single time. And I got to the point where I was like, okay, listen, I've got this. Yeah. It's, it's, I always viewed it, you know, granted every situation is, is different, but I always viewed using Callie like a crutch of, of the, the crawl, the crawl, walk, run. It was like, okay, I'm going to use this support system until I can get moving on my own. Right. And, and, and move forward. And after, after that was done, um, Linda, went ahead and, and, you know, there were guys that were coming in that were, that were, that were new. And that was when she, um, began her, you know, most, most recent battle with cancer. And she, as with, I mean, I don't even know how anybody could continue to give their time the way that she, she did and still um, have have our have our interest in the forefront of her mind, and just a selfless that, act. Yeah, yeah. It it was it was it was incredible to see that. And we talk about selfless acts all the time on the show. Um, but this 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 to me is is obviously a lot different because those are in. Um, in combat and this is this is you know stateside but it, for such a prolonged period of time of being not well not you know and and completely dedicating and, and still 
you know, dealing with all of that. But then on Thursdays of coming in and training veterans and their dogs and continuing to give more and more of yourself when you when you don't have any anything you wouldn't think that any normal person would have right. anything left to give right, right. <laughs> um just this this extreme push and and there would be the any anybody that didn't know you wouldn't know that that was even happening there wasn't it was like an it was with her it was like no factor <sighs> completely it was a complete no factor mentality to that and cancer, uh, whatever, you know, doesn't matter. I've got more important things to do. Yeah, I've got, and that was with that was her professionalism that that completely blew me away, and I was in such awe that here's this person, you know, running a business, um, taking care of us, taking you know, uh, running this training regimen that 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 is changing people's <clears throat> lives for the better right and and hers is she's she's struggling did she, did she come out and say that that was what she was going through or did uh, to the class did did everyone know about that yeah okay. yeah we we, okay. we we did know about it there was no there was nothing um there was nothing that, that we didn't that we didn't know about but it, you just couldn't you just couldn't tell right especially with the with the demeanor and that that to me was so so inspiring because like what it's one of those things like what what do you, what what did I have to complain about right. at all right because it's like well she if if she's going through that and has that kind of a, an attitude about it then there's 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 nothing that I can't do right um well that you know. and that should be a lesson not like we don't see hear, and and listen to lessons all day long we even share mm-hmm. lessons from history at the end of our shows mm-hmm. lessons of gratitude that we have towards these these individuals that have committed these heroic you know acts um, and it doesn't it, I think it's uh, I think it's interesting to look at it on the other side, where you know, Linda is helping the opposite side of being being the yeah. the heroic person, the opposite side of the of the spectrum, where you know the acts of heroism that we talk about are on the forefront, they're on the the battleground, they're on, you know in the military, mm-hmm. and. You you know, you forget about the acts of heroism, like what you just described about her. That is saving just as many lives mm-hmm. here in the United States by by just yeah. committing herself to this this higher this this higher being that she just that's just what she was going to do. It doesn't matter doesn't matter what the situation is this is what i need that you know that she's saying that she needed to do and it and it's it's just a heroic thing to be so influential and complain and bitch and moan about nothing and it's yeah. it's like a lesson it's like we hear this and it's like god like you said what do i have to complain about fucking nothing mm-hmm. the things that we talk about 
you know, especially with the the Medal of Honor and the other citations that we've read, these the their their actions come, like you said, on the battlefield, and then when coming back, they these actions, like you said, save you know save lives as well, but that adversity was that it went on it was a long drawn out process it was not a a, a single event that co- that was this big massive event it was like a slow burn you see you know what i mean it was just this very it's a very long process but and to have that grit and fortitude to just grind it out yeah that's that is so that is so inspiring to me because it's not it it's just on a different it's on a different wavelength. Does that, yeah. does that make sense? Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah. You, you hear about it a lot. Um, and, you know, I think that's a, this is a little bit off the topic maybe, but you hear about it a lot with people saying, why, did I, why didn't you ever tell us? Um, mm-hmm. And I've heard it. I've had numerous people that I've everyone's known someone that's gone through, you know, whether it be cancer or something like that. It's like it's almost it as unfortunate as it is. It's it's like almost routine to talk about. It's like oh, someone's got cancer. Mm-hmm. It's like it's crazy to think about, but you hear about how people just don't let it. Either they don't let it affect them, or you don't. They don't talk about it. it just doesn't affect them. Doesn't bother them. It may bother them, but they don't show it. Yeah, and whether or not it bothers them is is completely not even something that we need to talk about because we don't have it and we don't know. Mm-hmm. But that's that act of just, like you said, gritting it out and just saying, hey, this is what it is. I'm going to do my best to continue to move forward. Um, mm-hmm. That's a teacher. Yeah, That's a... That's a teacher that that deserves, you know, the praise. That's not that's not just that's not just that's leading by example in every way, yeah. shape, and form. I would I would definitely say that out of you know, all of the leadership lessons that I learned in the military, the her leadership by example was one of the best ones that I've seen um, out of out of all of them. Um, the the way that that she carried herself um, during during this time of adver- you know during those times of adversity was something that I don't even know if I could do. You know, it 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 makes you think about how you would react and how you would, you would behave during those times. And you look at it and say, Oh, okay. That if I want to be, you know, I want to have that kind of poise. I want to kind of, I want to have that kind of attitude. I want to have that kind of professionalism. I want to have those things, those attributes because you know, in those in those promotion warrants, when they say that that those are the attrib- attributes that others should emulate, yeah. that's what goes through my brain. Yeah, 
Yeah. You see them and it's it's kind of like a surreal thing to read that or listen to that or or, or even have someone read it in a citation. And I don't think there's any mm-hmm. service member that's ever heard a, a citation like that that hasn't got goosebumps, you mm-hmm. know, when when they say stuff like that or or upheld the highest traditions of the Marine Corps standard or, or whatever it is and the U.S. Naval mm-hmm. Services. And it's like, wow, they upheld the highest traditions of of. Mm-hmm the armed forces and mm-hmm. and like you said that you don't know if you can do that until you get there but that's not it's not about us you know right now mm-hmm. it, this is about this is about this, the the sacrifices that she's she's made to 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 help others and i you know i think that's in hindsight it's like wow that's what we should have been doing the whole time mhm and don't take the glory for anything. Just, just look back on what you're doing in, in life and be like, well, have I have I helped anybody? Have I what have mm-hmm. I done compared to that? And and that should be a, a one to one through ten step process. Like, okay, have I even completely come close to this person? Mm-hmm. Like, instead of bitching about what bad shit's happening in your life and I'm no one to talk on that subject but instead of bitching about the the covid and the the politics and the president and the this that and the other I mean let let's really step back and see how how much we've affected our communities and mm-hmm. use the lessons learned from those people like Miss Linda Cole to emulate our future and our community's future Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got a you've got a letter. Yeah, I did. I I do. And instead, on this this kind of episode where we're talking about you know my experiences of of training dogs and 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 in a tribute to to Linda and and the, the stuff that I've said and the the anecdotes and stuff, it doesn't even it doesn't do. the sacrifices that she's put forth justice, but just being able to speak about it and talk about it and, and remember some of the, the fun times that, that, that were had and the memories that were made and the experiences that I've been through, you know, because of, of her, um, I, I did write, uh, a letter to her, that I'd like to share with everybody. It says, Looking back on the tools I used to transition from the military, one of them follows me around on four legs. It is something that was a constant in my life, even when it was chaotic, disrupted, and messy. This tool had to be fed, maintained, trained, and loved. This tool provided a support system that no human could provide. It pushed me to become a better person even when I didn't feel like it and camaraderie when I felt alone. On December 8, 2017, I was able to pass a public access test with my dog Callie, which certified her as a serviced animal. The average cost of a fully trained service dog is between $15,000 and $30,000. 
The organization Dog Tags found a useful way to support veterans by allowing them to train their personal dogs under the guidance of a professional trainer. These trainers are asked to evaluate a dog's potential to succeed as a service dog and develop a working relationship with the veteran, molding the bond between them and their dog. This isn't an easy this isn't an easy task, nor is this a skill that is taught in a classroom. It is experience, pure and simple. Linda Cole is my dog's trainer, and I would consider her one of my many mentors. She saw the potential in our training group and looked at us for who we were and not what we had done or had been through. Not only is Linda the trainer, she also owns the building and subsequent business that donated the space and utilities needed to facilitate our band of misfits. I met Linda at one of the darkest points of my life, where rock bottom was the ceiling of my pit. Instead of asking the particulars of my situation, she handed me a leash, treat bag, and began giving me an education about dogs and myself that was priceless. The lessons regarding dog training were explained and guided. The education about myself was the example she set. Her professionalism, demeanor, resilience, devotion, and selflessness were displayed time after time, as consistent as a second hand on a clock. As time moved on, adversity set in. When a person would have every reason to be exceptionally selfish with their time, Linda embodied those life lessons. She gave us her time when chemotherapy took most of hers. She saw our group to success and gladly began trading a new group, leading them to the objective. Linda's life and personal sacrifice provide an example of selflessness that doesn't ask for an award or recognition. It is a silent professionalism that is realized by serving others, getting down into the pits of despair and guiding us out of the tunnels of darkness. Our greatest achievement will be to continue the example she has set. And with that, this is the Seabag Podcast.